Hey, Grandpa, supper's ready. You awake? Yep, yep. Hey, Grandpa, after supper, will you tell me some more stories about sloths? You've been talking about that place all day now. Why are you so interested in sloths all of a sudden? We've been studying about it in history. We're going to take a tour next week. History? That old place? Why, I growed up at them furnaces. Started out making 32 cents an hour. And always had a pocket full of money. <laughs> That's some history, ain't it? 32 cents an hour. Now that I think about it, it wasn't just me that growed up around them furnaces. It was this whole city. You know, it's funny. But sometimes when you go there, it's like it ain't never passed. If you ever saw Sloss at night during its heyday, turning the whole sky orange with fire and steam, you aren't likely to forget it. People used to drive over the First Avenue viaduct just to watch that molten iron pouring out of the furnace. Back then, we grew up knowing about Sloss and TCI and Woodward, grew up knowing why Birmingham was the Pittsburgh of the South. Not anymore. Nowadays, it's not so obvious why Birmingham is called the Magic City. It's all history now, and we have to look for it. Where do we find our history? In books, of course, and in archives at the public library, and in the stories our grandparents tell. But we also find it in the glorious old faces of downtown buildings, in the mansions along Highland Avenue, in the cottages of Avondale, and we find it in our blast furnaces and steel mills, because in Birmingham, that's where it all began with the ideas, and the machines, and the men. Those men of the old guard had force, character, invention. They had courage and brains. They were true pioneers. There'd be no development anywhere if somebody didn't take the risk in the beginning. Back in the 1870s, when Birmingham was brand new, Sloss Furnaces was nothing but an empty field and a dream. The city was no industrial giant back then, just a rowdy little town at the foot of Red Mountain, with pine shacks and muddy roads everywhere, and a ready supply of whiskey and gambling. But Birmingham was destined to grow, to grow so much and so fast that people wouldn't believe their eyes. It's like magic, they'd say, and call Birmingham the Magic City. The magic came from iron. In those days, iron was king. Iron railways carried iron locomotives across the continent and opened up new land for development. Iron steamships sailed the oceans, bringing millions of immigrants to the new world. The men who worked the blast furnaces, the rolling mills and the forges made the iron that built a nation. Birmingham had all three things you needed to make iron. The ore, the limestone and the coal. The iron-making at Sloss all started with Colonel James Withers Sloss. The Colonel was a hard worker with a knack for turning ideas into businesses that made money. He read Shakespeare, and he loved to quote poetry. But mostly, he invested in railroads, in coal mines, 
and in blast furnaces. With backing from the L&N Railroad, the Colonel built the first Sloss furnaces in 1881, and Sloss went to work making iron, mostly for cast iron pipe, but also for tools and machine parts. A few years later, Birmingham's first load of exported iron rolled out of Sloss, 100 tons of it bound for Liverpool, England. Of course, Sloss wasn't the only place in the city where men were making iron. Birmingham was becoming one of the world's great iron-making centers, and Alabama would never be the same. People who had made their living on farms were taking jobs in the coal mines now, or moving into town to find work at the pipe plants and the furnaces. Birmingham was booming, and by 1920, more than half of all the city's jobs were in the iron and steel industry. The people working these jobs came from Hoax Bluff, and Slapout, and Pumpkin Center. They came from England and Scotland and Ireland, from Italy and Greece and Lebanon. They brought their families and their religions and their music. just in the background were the sounds of the coal mines and the blast furnaces. As Sloss approached its 50th birthday in the late 1920s, the old furnaces got a new lease on life. They were rebuilt bigger and better with modern machinery to do some of the heavy work that had once been done by men and mules. The furnaces still ran day and night, and when they were tacked every four hours, they were still a spectacle of fire and steam. But now, each furnace produced 400 tons of iron a day, day after day, year after year. Sloss prospered, and Birmingham did too. The city grew to be the world's largest producer of cast iron pipe, the nation's third largest maker of pig iron, and the foremost industrial city in the south. Skyscrapers towered above the valley, and time passed. Once I built a railroad, now it's done, brother, can you spare a dime? It had to be you. It had to be you. In 1971, for the first time in the 20th century, Sloss became silent. 
The furnaces were old and out of date by then, and the owners were facing new standards of pollution control. And, most seriously, the market for pig iron was dying. Pipe was made of plastic now, and scrap iron was cheaper than pig. One by one, Birmingham's iron furnaces were closed down. Putting out the furnaces' fires didn't put an end to Birmingham's growth, though. The city adjusted to the decline of iron and steel. It changed, becoming a regional center of medicine, banking and investment, and higher education. And that's what history is all about. Change. As the city changed, so did Sloss. In the 1950s, U.S. Pipe and Foundry bought the old Sloss Sheffield Steel and Iron Company. In the 1960s, U.S. Pipe became a Jim Walter Company. And in 1971, the Jim Walter Corporation recognized the historic character of the old iron-making site and donated the Sloss Furnaces to the people of Birmingham. People came forward with proposals for preserving the site, and some for destroying it. Some wanted to develop Sloss into an amusement park, but nobody could reach a decision. Meanwhile, months passed, then years. New sounds were heard at Sloss from a different kind of visitor. cars of Birmingham passed overhead, none of them bound for Sloss. The furnaces stood in the weather for years. Damage was so heavy that officials recommended demolition. And a public debate followed. Look, that's some valuable land that Sloss is on. Land that could be better used for making money. What about an industrial park? That would bring in a lot more jobs. They should have taken that rusty pile of junk and torn it to the ground. It's an eyesore and dangerous. They could have sold the whole thing for scrap and then used the money for something that was really worthwhile. A museum will never make it down there. What we need is something like a Disneyland to really bring in the tourists. But there were others who disagreed. And before long, people from all over the community, young and old, teachers and laborers, doctors and artists, people from all walks of life, met and formed the Sloss Furnace Association. Not just to save the furnaces, but to preserve them as a symbol of the city's heritage. Why preserve Sloss? As one member of the association put it, a lot more than iron poured from those furnaces. Our whole culture did. A whole way of life. Another supporter said it this way. Sloss reminds us that Birmingham exists only because it was here that everything came together. The railroads, the raw materials, and the men with a genius to make it all work. Birmingham voters agreed, and in 1977, they approved the money to save the old furnaces. The work of preserving Sloss had begun. It took several years and lots of ups and downs for Sloss's new face to take shape. Workers sandblasted, patched and painted, renewing the historic structures, but not changing them. And that's important. Sloss looks like what it was, a place where men worked. Then, finally, on Labor Day weekend, 1983, 101 years after making its first iron, Sloss opened its gates again, this time as a museum of industry. And Birmingham came for a visit. A lot has happened since that Labor Day. Sloss has come alive again. The towering stoves and furnaces are now the heart of an unusual new community center. A place where people can meet with friends listen to music, or enjoy a quiet lunch. 
Sloss is also a place where people can learn about iron and about a city that thrived on mines and mills, furnaces and foundries. Sloss is alive with history. Archaeologists have found 19th century beehive coke ovens on the site. Historians interview retired Sloss workers, preserving their stories for future generations. Museum professionals collect old photographs, documents, and artifacts of Sloss and Birmingham's industry. And guided tours let visitors see and smell and touch the past and feel the power of modern technology. You might say Sloss is a very old and a very new part of the Birmingham community. And that's important because a community isn't a collection of buildings and railroads and highways or a name on a map. Community means belonging, being a part of something older and larger than yourself, sharing in the lives of the people around you. Sloss is alive again, not making iron anymore, but still making magic. Thank you.